to cut a bit of time short, but um, we kind of have an idea of maybe if we're uh, throwing out that idea, you kind of get the, the idea that we're talking about difference and uh, what separates us from others as far as citizens. Well, we need to also talk about the level of um, Christianity. And if I was to replace that question with what separates Christians from the world, what would kind of be your answers? And I really want you to think about this because it's, it's a wonderful thing when we as Christians can separate ourselves from the world. Um, we should be able to stick out kind of like sore thumbs. I know I, in the past I've said we should be like neon signs. However, there's kind of a problem with that. And I, and I see this quite often in myself and with others. Um, and I don't know how you feel about this, but my preference on the feeling is that I think as we call ourselves Christians, not always do we separate ourselves from the world. And I think that's a very serious um, uh, mistake for the fact that, um, especially when we're trying to, to be called to make disciples of all nations, that when we don't separate ourselves from the world as Christians, um, then we're not going to um, stand out and people are not going to be gravitated towards us. So I want to kind of get into that a little bit, but this Beatitude study that we're going to talk about is not just um, for that factor, but it's also the rewards that are going to be given to us if we are obedient to what um, God asks us to do, what Jesus says in the Beatitudes. So I'm going to give you a little uh, brief timeline, just to set the stage here. Um, in, um, in this Sermon on the Mount, what leads up to this is, remember, Jesus has been baptized already by John the Baptist. He's already been tempted by Satan. Um, he's been announcing the good news that the kingdom of God is coming based upon the prophecies in the Old Testament. Um, he, like Megan taught last week, repent. He cried, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Um, he traveled throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom. And now he's here with the Sermon on the Mount. And so our study is going to be the first part of that, which is the Beatitudes. Jill next week will talk about the soul. Um, and so I want to talk... Um, a little bit about what this means. So, the Sermon on the Mount portrays repentance. The Greek meaning is the complete change of mind. And the righteousness which belongs to the kingdom and the citizens of the kingdom. It describes our human lives here on earth and what they look like when they come under the gracious rule of God. What do they look like? Different. That's your feeling. Jesus emphasized that his true followers, and I want to emphasize that, his true followers, the citizens of God's kingdom, were to be entirely different from others. Now, ask yourself this. As a Christian, do you find yourself being entirely different than those of the world? Do you kind of find yourself that way or not at all? So there's, there might be some mediocre answers there. There might be some people that really truly believe they feel differently or that they look differently than the world. And there might be some that say, oh, I've got a whole lot of work to do. And I want to get to that because just like Megan said last week, um, the study on repentance could be very draining. And this in the beginning can be very draining too, almost um, to the point where conviction is overwhelming. And so I want to, I want to get to the point where we're not being defensive towards that. But there's truly a good reward and satisfaction that comes from this study. Jesus emphasized um, this, and there's an introduction out of John Scott's study. Um, he's a good author uh, that wrote a lot about the Sermon on the Mount, and I want to read this context real quickly for you. The Sermon on the Mount, then, is to be seen in this context. It portrays repentance. The Greek meaning is the complete change of mind and the righteousness which belongs to the kingdom. That is, it describes the human life and the human community, what they look like when they come under the gracious rule of God. And what do they look like? Different. Jesus emphasized that his true followers, the citizens of God's kingdom, were to be entirely different from others. They were not to take their cue from the people around them, but from him, and so prove to the genuine children of their Heavenly Father. And so, again, just to reiterate that we are to be called different. Now, um, the Christian's character, which is classified as the Beatitudes, um, they are obviously to be distinct from that that's admired and desired by the world. It is a Christian value system, and it is a radical alternative, that's your fill-in, to modern values. Okay, there is two columns right there. They're, the bullets I'm going to read, and they're on this dry erase board. Poor in spirit, those who mourn, meek, seek after righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, and persecuted. Here's your next question. What are your first impressions of those thoughts when you think of those words? What are the first impressions of those thoughts when you think of those words? Look at that list again. Poor in spirit, those who mourn, meek, seek after righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, persecuted. Start with that column first. 
take a few minutes and run your teeth. about those words and first impressions on those. In most cases, I found that when we look at a few of those words right off the bat, they don't seem too inviting, like poor in spirit, those who mourn meek. I really don't want to be those in kind of a sense of just everyday living or shining. doesn't seem like I can shine being those things, and that's kind of our logic when we see those words. Um, some of these also seem like they take a lot of work. Um, seek after righteousness, be merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, all seem like effort as well. Um, but here's where the good news comes in, is that we add at the top of that, blessed are. So if you want to put on here, blessed are on top of those bullet points, write that big, blessed are. And I'm going to stop there for a minute, because what we're going to do is, instead of reading the passage of the Beatitudes, if you're anything like me, I want to read that passage over and over and over. And especially if someone reads passages too quickly for me, it just goes out the door and then I halfway through the lesson pick up on it. And so what I want to do is I want to add a visual to this. I want us to stop, I want clear our thoughts and our minds and I want to watch a video that lists the Beatitudes. Um, It's a a slower version of letting it sink in and I want you to meditate it. I want it just to penetrate your heart. I want it to penetrate your mind as you're watching the screen here. So I think Jesse has the video ready to roll.
verses are put to music, it seems like... Okay, I'm sure we had some good answers around the table. Um, if we didn't have eight Beatitudes, I would catch you so short, but we do, so I want to get through some of them. But the point here, too, is um, I just felt like God was really putting on my heart that this whole study of these eight Beatitudes, I really want to take on an individual level of just that self-check. And so these questions are, um, are good questions to help lead to that. Um, and so to go further with those questions underneath your question, and ask this, are you clothed with humility? Um, do you analyze your daily life from time to time and, and um, take that mirror and look at yourself instead of others and ask Jesus how you're doing? Um, what about asking your friends? Have you ever asked your friends on an objective level, hey, honestly, give me your opinion. Give me your opinion on what, what you think I need to improve on or, or what you think is maybe a turnoff or what's not maybe resi- a resemblance of what a Christian life should be. Um, ask the world, is there an awareness? <laughs> what, if, what would the world say about you? And these are the questions we need to ask with each beatitude. Would the world just find you just like them? Would they say, oh, I'm Jane Doe. She's a Christian? I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I've seen that question a lot. Oh, oh, she goes to church, really? Or And not mean that church means you're saved. But, you know, it just stuns people. They think, well, especially the world, they are going to have these... Um, this misinterpretation or this misperception of what a Christian is and what it isn't. And as true Christ followers know our purpose, purpose to make disciples of disciples. And, um, and we can't do that if we're, if we're providing the ammunition for Satan to uh, twist the way we look. So that's why these Beatitudes were told and commanded of us. Okay. So the next one, um, well, it, it really is being led from us. It, this whole Beatitude of blessed spirit, well, it leads us into a morning. Um, because you really can't acknowledge a personal bankruptcy with a cold heart. <laughs> there should be a sense of mourning. There should be a sense of realization, of revelation, of oh. And it's kind of what Megan talked about last week. It kind of goes back to that repentance um, scenario again. Of Repentance is not bad. And we all thought that. We, we Satan loves to twist that idea that repentance is bad. It's not bad. It's great. There's so much less energy that goes um, that comes from it when you repent. But there's so much energy that goes into holding on to sin. So much energy. I can't even, I've analyzed this over and over. It is better to repent and to mourn and to have that revelation and be done. Surrender. Or it's it's hard. It's a hard life to hold on to that sin and to hold on to those convictions and not do anything about it because it takes so much energy from you. Think about it. It takes energy. It takes energy of worry, anxiety, wanting more, doing this. It so much energy. But when I start um, having this dependence on God and God reveals to me that I don't need any of that junk and I surrender it, the energy, the peace that comes from that is 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 not comparable. My energy for that other crap is gone. That was just peace. It's peace. So we have to have a morning, though, um, because if we don't have a morning... This whole thing just kind of can happen again. This deep mourning allows us to have a sense of what really is sin and what what we can do about it, and and have and um, this pain um, that comes from this is so taken away through God. And so the next beatitude is: Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Well, this sounds unnatural in a sense. Happy are those who are unhappy. That kind of sounds silly, and that's kind of the parody that people look at here. But really, what it is, it's an emotional response um, to deep loss. Um, this is regarding spiritual poverty, and in the context of what we're studying with Beatitudes, on many commentaries, that's what this is referring to, is spiritual poverty. And I, let me take a side step. On a physical aspect of mourning, like when we lose someone as well, this can be equally as, equally applied. Equally applied. I I truly believe that. I think in your perception you believe that as well. Um, but the sense here is, um, blessed is the man who is intensely sorry for his sin. The man who is heartbroken for what has, uh, his sin has done to God and to Jesus Christ. The man who sees the cross and who is appalled by the havoc or out by sin. That's Barclay. That's a quote from Barclay. Matter of fact, the reason why I can identify the spiritual poverty here is because you guys know, most of you who have attended this for years, know that my testimony goes with my marriage. And when my marriage crumbled, um, and I would like to blame shift it to my husband all the way until my Christian mentors pointed out, hey, that self-check analyzation. And then I looked at it and I'm like, oh, 
so much of that was me. That was so me. And the morning that came after, at it, instead of, well, it was all his fault. It's all his fault. It's, you know, it was him, him, him. Poor me, poor me, me. Uh-uh. It was like an equally charged scenario now because I was at fault as well. And I just, it gave me a time to repent. And God, excuse me, God brought those, um, those convictions to light so that he could refine me and purify me and give me correct, truthful direction. And I could go where I'm at now if he had not done that, if I could not live the truth. So I needed to do that. And there was mourning for me. It was a deep sense of, Lord, forgive me. I, I'm so ignorant. And maybe that's you right now. It's like you have this ignorance of what's going on in your life. And if you're feeling conviction, that's God saying, hey, hey, it's okay. Let me show you what this is. Why it's wrong? And, and let's get through this. Yeah, repent. Let's go through this. It's okay to mourn. But here's the great news about that. The second part of that is for they will be comforted. They will be comforted. That doesn't mean all your pains are going to go away. It's the, it's the satisfaction of knowing that he is there with you. He is in charge. He's got this. He's got this. He takes this. He, that, there's a comfort knowing that our God has this, isn't there? Instead of you having it in your own hands, there's a comfort with this. Um, Jesus is saying that those who are overcome with sorrow and sadness find a blessing as God draws near to them in their time of need. Jesus is saying that he knows we can be overwhelmed by sorrow. We can feel like we are fighting losing battle with tears at every turn. Yet he has good news for us. For those who feel there is no comfort for them, Jesus is saying that in his kingdom we will find comfort um, what we can feel like in a cold and hard uh, universe. Consolation is found in him. And, and that's great to look through the kingdom. And, and in the meantime, here on earth, I know some of you are saying, well, that's, that's then. That's, you know, that's when we get there. Um, no, no. Um, <laughs> it's here too. There, you might not be fully blissful, but that comfort's enough. It's your daily provision to get through your, your, your now. And I think often with uh, Margie, I, you know, I pulled this up once a little bit when her son was dying. I just thought to myself, how does she get through each day? How does she get through each day? And I know that I know that I know that her trust in the Lord, it gave her comfort. Now, it didn't take all the pain away, but it gave her her daily provision to get through the day. To get through the day. To get through the day. And look how God refined her and used her. And now she's teaching the Lord's message. And I just think, God has such a great plan for you. But if we pull, pull back and we're in complete devastation, and our life is living in complete devastation, and not to the point where we know we're going to be comforted, and we turn over our proper mornings to God, then we're not going to get anywhere. Matter of fact, Satan's going to get a foothold of you, and depression can set in, or um, or you might be on the flip side. You might not be a morning per- morning person. In fact, you might say, "Oh well." And so that leads me to this: um, What is the opposite of morning? And so here's this here's this self check mirror, <laughs> me, <laughs> you. Um, this is the opposite. It's someone that says, "Oh well." What the hey? Um, um, about someone else? Uh, what if someone's, um, you know, in um, maybe in desperate need or something bad has happened to them? And, and you know them, but you go like, oh, I, I, I apologize. <laughs> so I feel like, sucks to be them. And then off you go. You know, there's no connection there. Um, another one is um, you just kind of rejoice and laugh and eh, they had it coming. That kind of thing. This is to other people. Um, but maybe that's to yourself. Maybe it's like to yourself, you're like, oh, well. That's how the cookie crumbles. I'm, you know, this is this is God punishing me, or maybe it's just like, eh, say, you know, whatever that is. <laughs> the point is, is that we repent and we um, we find a deep like sorrow for our sins. We just we just or like um, the Christians in Syria, you know, all that situation playing out. I don't know. There's a connection point there that when you see it on the news, you can't help but to connect to these people and just like sob, like you're in mourning for them. Or maybe it's a, a, something God has placed on your heart, not a, a, not in front of you, but on your heart, and then you just can't help but to sob for them. Um, for others, are we lacking the connections to make that mourning happen, you know, for others as well, not just for ourselves, but, you know, when, when you don't have that connection with somebody, then you lose it. For example, um, the, I, I saw a news, um, I guess a news interview on TV um, uh, in Iowa, that there was two debates, political. Um, one was for the immigrant, you know, one was against the immigrants coming to Iowa and being placed into families. The other woman stood up, and and, and I'm just going to be humble here. I I get wrapped up in it, and it's, it causes me to to not think godly. And I have I had this is a great thing for me, and I'm in, I'm just admitting it to all as an act of humility. But this gas stood up and said, you know, look. Most people that are against us have not had an um, uh, individual connection with one of these children or these immigrants. You are not talking with them on a daily basis and seeing their hurts in there. And you know what? 
I said, Lord, forgive me. It was that morning. I started, I started mourning over the fact that here I was judging, and I had to ask if God showed me this, and and then I started have a connection. You know, she's right. We're missing the connections. So that kind of goes all hand in hand. And um, and if that didn't get to you, let's read a few scriptures. Let's get some word on this. <laughs> Sorry. I tend to talk on those ends. And you're looking at crying on that one. Um, let's open our Bibles up to 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. And you know what? This is being recorded. So those of you who think I talk really fast, you can play it back in go slow motion. <laughs> I'm sorry. So much to say. It's a little time. Okay. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves uh, we ourselves receive from God. And that's another thing with uh, with mourning. When we go through some of these things with our sins or maybe with a loss, then we too can turn around. And um, like on a physical end with Margie, I've seen her witness to many other people that have had losses. And with um, some of our sins, you know, when I'm seeing someone being judgmental or mourning, and then I know that the conviction that's come upon me and the freedom that I have with that, I can also witness to people the power of God through that, um, through that process as well. So... 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4, great verse. But also there is a promise that we are given. And I want you to flip over to Revelations 21, 4-5. So the last chapter of the book. And this is, um, I, I like to refer to this one as those who are in pain. Maybe it's physical or maybe it's a loss or something along those lines. Um, but this is a great one to refer to as well because it is a promise. Um, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Um, and so those of you who are caught in the depths of pain, um, we didn't say all pain, God didn't say all the pain would be taken away here on earth, but you can rest assured that it will be in heaven. Um, but there's a promise here. He'll wipe those tears away. But we've got to go back to He will give you your daily provision. He'll give you your daily bread to get through day by day by day. And you'll, you'll find, you'll find joy in that. You'll find joy in that. It's God taking care of us. All right. Um, I do have to make a mention on this one. There was um, a lot of instances in the Bible where Jesus wept. So there were a lot of, so you can you, you notice his mourning in several situations. But there are no record. I find this kind of interesting, so I want to say it. There's no recorded instances where Jesus laughed. You know, so, you know, those opposites of the self-checker of, oh, well. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. Not God. Not Jesus. Okay. So. Let's go to this next question. Let's say you recognize your own spiritual poverty. You realize that you're nothing without Christ, that you're totally dependent on, that you need to be dependent on God. But how do you feel if others recognize those things and say them about you? Would you prefer to allow someone else condemn you, or would you prefer to condemn your own self? Just an interesting question to meditate on. So let's take a few minutes, and let's let the people who spoke the least speak this time. I think you probably had some interesting answers. Um, you know, I think there's, you can add on to that question. I think some of us, if I asked you, would you be in mourning? Would you just be like, oh, like my mentor to me, um, where I just kind of felt like, oh, or would you be defensive? And I guess part of that would be, well, if the person said it in love, <laughs> then it would be a different situation. Maybe that's how you feel as well, because my mentor did say it in love. But if someone came out and says, well, you're this and this and this, I think we have a tendency to be defensive. And even if we do have a tendency, there's still room to work, because God calls us to use that beatitude and just... Step away. Um, so this leads us to blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Well, there are many worldly views on being, meaning meek. Matter of fact, most of them are not very good in the worldly sense. They kind of seem wimpy or weak or, um, you know, just kind of uh, trample over type of word. Um, but Jesus uses it in a context that means, that would mean a link to self control, God control, basically. Um, it has the idea of humility in a sense that blessed is the man who has humility to know his own ignorance, his own weakness, and his own needs. That was a quote from Barclay. 
So let's do a quick self-check on that to see if um, we know what meek is. And, and if you hear the opposite of it, then you'll, you'll kind of get the understanding of what meek is. So self-check on yourself. Meek, this is the opposite of what meek is. It's ambitious. Are you ambitious? I don't want you to think of other people. I want to think about yourself for, for today. Um, are you pushy? Are you a little, what I guess the word would be cocky? <laughs> um, are you egotistic? Um, are you vain? Are you conceited? So that would be the opposite instance of what meek would be. Um, but meek has its strengths in what Jesus um, identifies meek as. And so here's what I want to ask you first of all. Um, where in your life is meekness so needed and often so disregarded? And think about the opposites that I just listed. How do I react when I am corrected? How do I react when someone disagrees with me? How do I act when I, I am criticized? And that kind of goes up with that first question. Um, but let's focus in on mostly on um, how often meekness is truly needed, but is often so disregarded. Let's just take a couple minutes to discuss that as well. I heard some good things are under table here. Um, but I do want to move on a couple more. Um, let me review here real quickly. In review, we have been poor in spirit. We have mourned because of our sin. We are humble and surrendered at this point. That's based on the first Beatitudes. And now we come to the longing to rid our desire of sin, to, to get rid of it. Um, so this is the next Beatitude. And that is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Um, here's a person that is longing for something so strongly that it's described as being hungry and thirsty. For what is she longing? Righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is to be right with God. As a matter of fact, um, Matthew 6.33, which you can write on the side there, uh, says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well says in the Bible, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these will be given to you as well. Not seek first yourself, or seek first the world, or seek first money, or seek... No. It says first his kingdom, what is his kingdom, that's what we're studying, and his righteousness. And all, not just a little bit, not just some, all these things will be given to you as well. Um, so, in order to kind of get this in perspective here... I'm going to ask this question, so we're going to move the question up a little bit here. What would be the opposite of this? Just real quickly shoot out some things. What would be the opposite of this? Not around the table, just shoot it out to me. What is the opposite of righteousness? As many people know. Self-righteousness. To live daily. Not carry baggage. What it is. Yeah, not caring what happens, not living for the Lord. Yeah, self-focus in every aspect. Everything about self. And if you open up a worldly magazine or watch TV, it's riddled with that. It's riddled about all these things for the world and what can happen. How to make your day life better to clean. How to... Um, have better health with medications, and how to, um, um, you know, uh, drive faster and better, and all these things, and nothing about how um, we should live for God. <laughs> nothing. Nothing on TV, nothing in these worldly magazines. As a matter of fact, the opposite that you mentioned right here, um, seeking ourselves for a spit, here's a big one, coveting. Coveting. Wanting this and that. And I've experienced that. That is my struggle so much. I've come far. I've come far. Because, like I said, with the gin hat maker coat, I've come from five years and look back and been like, okay, much better. But I need to still go. In five years, I'm going to look back and be like, I hope that's completely gone. And another five years, I practice it so much that I don't even think about it. But I struggle with that. I struggle with that. That's why I'm not on Facebook, too. <laughs> because I can't, I cannot... I can't look at all these great things, all these other people are, are doing or building, and be like, oh, 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 I don't have that. I don't have that. I don't, you know, my kids don't do that. I get, you know, oh, my husband isn't this one, whatever it is. I, I can't go there because I know my tendencies. I can't look at a Target ad without wanting everything in it. You guys know me. Sarah Thomas, is she in here today or is she helping with Cherokee? Because 
Okay, I went to Target three weeks ago, and she called me out. So thank you, Lord. But I, but I had my list. I had to show her my list, and she's like, okay, well, what do you have on it? I'm serious. And I'm like, see? Because you know, I'm being humble and related, telling you what my problem is, and I have it. That's my self-righteousness. I don't want to do that. And I've been out of Target a lot, and I, I figured out you can order bags online, all that. So there's no excuse. Um, you have every right to pull me out and I'm pulling me aside. But the point here is that God needs to pull me. The target items can fill me temporarily, all day long. But you know what happens? The next day I want more. And the next day I want more. And I want more. And I'm so distracted with that lifestyle that I don't even think about what God is put in front of me. I don't even look at the blessings that are in front of me. And so those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, I want to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And when I do, I get to see all these blessings that are right in front of me that have nothing to do with the world. I can look at, um, you know, my two dogs outside dancing around in the backyard and look at the butterflies and, and I know that sounds blissful and a pain of hurt and stuff but let me tell you there is something to be said about what God puts in front of you that you normally can't see otherwise um, in my fact I hunger and thirst for that kind of life because you know what um, none of that causes any problems in my family none of that causes any um, situation or repercussions that are detrimental in the way that we live here on earth um, but the others do then you go in debt then your husband gets upset and then it's just that energy stuff this is peace. This is peace. This is righteousness. Um, so how do we get right with God? Well, through your confession of sin. I confess to you that I have it. And I'm and that by confessing that, guess what? I find people that are accountable. God, um, I've asked for repentance. God has given me grace by showing me things. Um, but it's still a struggle. I, I didn't say it's not a struggle. It's still a struggle. But I, it's always on the forefront now. It's always on the forefront. Um, and I repent and turn into a life of uh, obedience. Remember, sin is that which comes between us and God. When I'm living for me, I don't have the connection with God. And so it's, it, when you are living this self-righteous life and you're saying all these prayers and you're asking the Lord, you know, you're not on the right track. You're not going to see what God reveals to you. So those of you who are asking for prayers and living in this life, probably most chances are that you're not seeing what God is revealing to you because you're so distracted with this. But if I go over here and I'm righteous and I'm thirsty and hungry for that and I'm, I'm just praying upon God's will and, you know, show me, he'll show you. <laughs> might be through people, it might be through scripture, it might be through um, a video. It, he, he will reveal himself because you don't have that distraction. You don't have it. And so that's so important for those of you who have come up to me and said, you know, I've prayed and prayed and he doesn't hear my prayers. Well, something, he hears them. <laughs> but what's what's clouding you over here? You know, let's let's work on this. Let's ask God to reveal that to you. Ask God to strengthen you. Because you can't do it on your own if you try. You can't. Um, Okay, so do you have a desire to know God more? To understand His Word better? To live a holy life? Do you desire that? Then you are growing in this attitude, in this beatitude. If you desire that, then you truly are growing in this beatitude. What would be God's response to such a longing of righteousness? Well, they will be filled. That's the response. Truly, you will be filled. Continually filled as the hunger and thirst grow. You will be filled over here. You will be filled, and it's not temporary. Uh, let me tell you, I know the difference, and maybe you do too, or maybe you haven't gotten there yet. There is something peaceful and just, there's something very different than this righteousness I'm hungry for versus this one. Because this one just sends me into a frenzy. It sends me in, out of control. And it's just for temporary. Then the next day I get up and do it all, you know, and my kids are left behind, my husband's upset, I'm spending money, whatever that is. But I've been there, and I've, and I've come so far because of God. Because I've chosen to go to God in this. And, and he's provided me with people to keep me accountable and, and so forth. And I thank him for that. I thank you, Lord. Um, okay. So, the second four Beatitudes, I get through those two, I'll focus on giving. So, this is kind of for ourselves here. Mostly about us. But this is about giving to others. Okay? The second four. Okay? So, here's the next one. Um, this would be the fifth one. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Um... Prior to this beatitude, the previous beatitudes have set the stage for this one. So let me read through this real quick so you can kind of get why this is stage this way. I am poor in spirit. I realize that I have no righteousness. I realize that face to face with God and his righteousness, I am utterly helpless. I can do nothing. But only that, not only that, but I mourn because of the sin that isn't with me. I have come to see the blackness of my own heart. I desire to get rid of the vileness that isn't with me. Not only that, but I am meek. Which means that now I have experienced this true view of myself. Nobody else can hurt me. Nobody else can insult me. Nobody else can ever say too bad of a thing about me. I have, been, I have seen myself and my greatest enemy does not know the worst about me. I have hungered and thirsted after righteousness. I have longed for it. I have seen that I cannot create or produce it and that nobody else can. I have seen the righteousness in Christ. I have been filled. I have received it as a free gift. 
Does it not fall inevitably that if I have seen and experienced all that, my attitude towards everybody else must be completely and entirely changed if I get through those four? I no longer see men as I used to see them. I now see them with a Christian eye. I have seen them not simply as men whom I dislike, but as men to be pitied. I have come to see them as being governed by the God of this world and being still where once I was. And yet, um, there's the grace of God. I'm so sorry for them. That's Martin Lloyd-Jones setting the stage for the next Beatitudes. Um, so this Beatitude of Merciful is the Beatitude um, that is opposite of self-centeredness, which is arrogance. And I want to give you um, the self-checker on this. So let's do a self-check on what the um, opposite of this is. Well, the opposite of being merciful is judging. I've been there. Have you? Have you judged people? And I had that connection. Remember we talked about the connection point? You had no connection and automatically judge them. Um, you have no positive impact on others when you do that. Um, the opposite also is hard-hearted. Like, this is the way I think and that's how it's going to stay kind of thing. Um, walls go up. Um, and the other one is ungracious. Maybe you are ungracious. Um, and that's all opposite of merciful. Um, and, you know, I don't want to go back to saying I know people like that, because I've been there. I've been in all three of those um, in some circumstance. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful that God has shown me what mercy is. Um, but here's the question that I want to ask you, and this is a good one. Have you ever initially misunderstood or maybe judged someone's actions and then later changed your heart after learning the background or the situation or the tough road that they've been on? Um, it's that connection point. Um, if so, why, not, why doesn't one or two people share around your table? Alright. Um, let's move on with this beatitude. Um, this beatitude, this is a great brief summary of this. Um, it has been interpreted to mean to get inside the other person's skin until we see things with her eyes, think with her mind, and feel things with her feelings. Um, and that's, uh, our play was quoted that. Um, and that's true with all of us. I think there's so many times where we just pass by and just, you know, judgment comes and we don't even know what they've been through. Um, so we are to put others before us. So we need to assume um, <laughs> them higher than we are and higher regard. And again, it's about making that connection. If you're not good about making connections, you're going to probably have a really hard time with this beatitude. Um, and that's something that it, you need to ask the Lord to help you with, to strengthen you with, to make those connections. Um, you know, how many times when Patty was here, if someone was having a problem, did she run off and be like, oh, oh, okay, oh, you know, no, 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 someone truly needed to be heard. You, you could see her eyes get on your level. You could see the tears well up in her eyes. You could see she started making that connection. And um, that's why it's so hard for some of us, because she was genuinely good at this beatitude. She did not pass judgment. matter of fact, she dealt with things that, that many people um, would have never dealt with in their lives. And, and people don't even know that. And she's been through so much from her childhood on up. And, um, and, and here she's making this connection with people, you know. And some of us might not have had hardships. Some of us might not understand that. But you know what? Take time to get to know that, to understand that. Um, it doesn't take much to make a connection. And once you have a connection, then your heart just melts. I always say that. My heart just melts. When my um, uh, friends or my family, you know, at first I'll be, why are they doing that? You know, it's that hardship. And then when you hear their story, your heart just melts. It just cannot not melt, you know, in most cases. Um, okay. So, this is what God did when he got inside the skin of mankind through Jesus Christ, didn't he? <laughs> That sounds pretty easy, only when we pick and choose those to whom we will extend mercy. And I think we, on this beatitude, we're not really getting it if we're picking and choosing who we want to extend mercy to and who we don't. It's like extending mercy to this person and not this person. Or um, uh, maybe it's someone... Um, you know, maybe it's someone that you have judged on. I, I don't know. There's multiple things that I could say personally. Um, and, and it'd be easy to judge. Um, and I can pick and choose who I don't and who I want to. And I've been there too. And it's, it's, I've grown in that area. I've grown because I'm making those connections. But it sounds easy. Um, but uh, what about every sinner that offends you? What about not just pick and choosing? What about everybody? What about all sinners? How can we make a connection? 
Um, how can you just kind of surrender that judgment and just say, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they've gone through. I don't know. Um, and have mercy. And have mercy. And so if you're struggling, this is the attitude that you need to really uh, take up with the Lord who will, who will strengthen you. Um, this is also about forgiveness. It's a lot about forgiveness. Mercy is love that is given when it's not deserved. Forgiveness that is given when it is not earned. Um, God uses the merciful to give and show grace to the world. Without Christians that show mercy, um, you're not going to open a door. And a matter of fact, there is a quote right here that I want to show you that when I went down south for vacation to see family for a few weeks and um, southerners, great hospitality, just no offense northerners. I know my girlfriend lived in Chicago. I know you love it. I live in Chicago suburbs and had a hard time because no one knew me or smiled at me. But in the South, everyone smiles at you. And someone said to me, and I lived in the South for a year in Alabama, and I know this is the difference. And I'm not judging. I'm just saying I noticed the difference. I was more apt to talk to a Southerner. Um, but someone down South just kept looking at my family and said, man, you guys are opening doors. I'm like, what do you mean? Because a smile opens a door. A smile opens a door. The merciful will open a door. All these things that we're talking about, the Beatitudes, will open a door for non-believers to be pulled in. Because you have what they don't have. You know, think about it. When you're out in the streets and you're smiling, you know, sometimes people will smile back, but in most cases you're going to get a smile back. It opens a door, opens an opportunity for conversation, opens an opportunity to share the Lord, opens an opportunity for people to see the Lord in you without saying anything. I mean, these are the same thing with these Beatitudes. A smile opens a door. I want you to think of it. Write it down. The Beatitude opens a door. It opens a door to bring in so much more than you can even fathom. Um... So, that reflects God uses the merciful to give and show grace to the world. Merciful person, open, it opens a door by being merciful. Are you a merciful person? So, this is kind of a self-check again. Um, have you treated someone who has sinned against you? How have you, have you treated them? Have you treated them poorly? Have you disregarded them? Have you judged them and said, you know, I do away with them because they live this way or do that or are that? Have you done that? So, that's a problem. <laughs> It's a problem. That's not what God calls you to be as a Christ follower. That's not what he was. And that's not what we should be. So that's a self-check. You need to ask the Lord to... And not necessarily... He's probably convicting you. But you need to ask the Lord how to get out of that foothold that Satan has. And because he'll twist that. And he'll put up walls. And it will not allow those doors to open where they need to be. Mercy is a great door opener when you got it. But it, it takes the power of the Lord to empower you to be merciful. If you do it on your own, you're going to fail every time. Every time. Um, but the connection point is with Jesus. It's not about being easygoing or pretending that you don't see something either. Um, God himself declared himself to be merciful. Grace is associated with men and their sins. Mercy is associated with men and their misery. Grace looks down upon sin as a whole. Mercy looks especially upon the miserable consequences of sin. That's Martin Lloyd-Jones. Lloyd-Jones. Excuse me. All right. So that takes us to our next beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Okay. Notice that Jesus didn't say, blessed are the pure in head or mind. He says, pure in heart. The Christian faith is not only a matter of doctrine or understanding of the intellect. It is a condition of the heart. Um, the heart, it's the center of one's personality, not necessarily just emotions. The heart in scripture includes the emotions, the intellect, and the will. It's the total person. As a matter of fact, um, John Stott says this, it's true self to God and man. True self to God and man. So in your prayer life, you're, you know, and then you're the same way. You're the same way to man. Um, it's not you going to church and, oh, and then you step out of church or your time with God and then you're a completely different person. Um, it's not divided. It's not a hypocrite type of life. It's it's what you are in front of God is what you are in front of man. What you're in front of man is what you are in front of God. Both ways. goes both ways. And so that's what this is. Pure in heart. Both ways. Total package. Um, pure is not surface, but in the center of her being. Pure is, out, is, is without hypocrisy. It's without a divided heart. Um, singleness, it's cleansed without defilement, being soiled to be cleansed. Um, and so here's the self-check on this to get the idea of pure in heart. So the opposite would be, are you a divided heart? Are you um, praying to the Lord and then you get in front of man and you're totally doubting the Lord? Ugh. You know, you're seeing something happen you're like, he's not working in my life, he's not working, he's not listening to my prayers, he's divided. Or you told the Lord that you're going to trust in him and then you step out and you're questioning him. You know, um, that's not pure in heart. That's a divided heart. Um, are you impure? Maybe impure with thoughts. Maybe impure with your words. Um, 
People know that I don't curse, and guess what? People around me don't curse, <laughs> for the most part. I mean, some do, but those who I know well just know that I, it pierces my heart a little bit. Um, um, but I don't do it, you know. Um, but, and same with jokes and talking and all that stuff. It's, if, if the question is, if, does it glorify God, I don't say it. <laughs> I, I try really hard not to say it, if, whether it's joke or um, talking. If it doesn't glorify God, don't say it. So, um, impure, are you impure? Are you double-minded? You know, shifting gears, shifting gears, doubting also, um, polluted um, sins that are polluting you. Um, I just talked with a couple that husband is deep in pornography, and it's totally changed his perspective on how his marriage should be. The pornographer looker totally changed it. Totally, Satan has had a foothold. It's changed his whole. So, is a sin polluting you? Is to make your perceptions completely different? Okay, so pollution. Um, conflicted. Are you conflicted? Is there something, is there a barrier in your life that is um, is um, not allowing you to be pure in heart? Um, but the biggest one is um, hypocrisy amongst us as Christians. I think I see that mostly with Christ followers. Um, we find ourselves being hypocrite. Um, it's not good for those who need to hear the message. Um, okay. There's a personal responsibility here to be pure in heart requires going to God for continual cleansing. Not just a little bit. It means maybe on a daily, minute-by-minute basis for some of us, maybe hourly through some of the turmoil, but it's continual cleansing. It's actually the greatest commandment. All right. I'm going to skip over my own notes here. Um, Not only that, but when you're pure in heart, it goes back to that distraction thing again. You're going to see God, not just in the kingdom, you know, in the future, but you're going to see his revelations when you're pure in heart. It's back to that righteous thing as well. Okay, so you'll see God. Okay, next beatitude. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Okay, on an individual level, the biggest thing that battles against us is selfishness. We talked about that, self-righteousness, selfishness, coming, all that. The only hope is to be delivered from self. So how are we going to be delivered uh, from self? Well, Matthew um, 16, 24 through 25 um, is, is wonderful to read. And I want you to write this down. Put in quotes, dying to self. Look it up. Scriptures. There's over 50 scriptures on dying to self. Um, and it's wonderful. And the Matthew 16 scripture, then Jesus said to his apostles, Whatever or whoever wants to be my disciple must decide, deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And so he's basically telling us to die. Die to ourselves. Take up the cross. Follow Jesus. As we die to self, we no longer try to get our own way. We let go of those three verbs, to want, to have, to do, in the context of craving, pledging, and fussing, um, and it's all about me type attitude. When we die to self, we are no longer obsessed with self. It becomes a surrendering process, the way of life, leaving the burden to no longer um, be on our shoulders. Paul writes, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God, right? So whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. That's that question that you need to ask. Am I glorifying God by doing this? Am I glorifying God? Additionally, we have to want to see God glorified more than we want to live in our selfishness. Um, Lloyd-Jones says, The peacemaker is the one who wants to see God glorified more than he wants anything else. So he works to see that accomplished, even if it means he himself is overlooked or criticized, or if he must suffer in order to bring about peace. I think that's a great quote. So here's the self-check on, on peacemakers. Is this you? Okay, because here's the opposite. You're a troublemaker. I don't know, I know some people that love to live on drama. <laughs> That's what I call it. And I'm like, eh. It's, they, they, they thrive on drama. Um, they thrive on conflict. Um, what about nitpickers? Are you a nitpicker? Get after people? Your best friend, your sister, your brother, your husband? Nitpicker? I, one time I did that, and then a succession, my husband said, Quit nagging, and I don't know the word nagging just sucks me. I'm like, I don't want to be a nagger. It's like a self, <laughs> and it's just like you know, we come across as that, and and I don't want to come across that way. Not even to my husband, you know. I I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be something different from a man and something different from a god. So even to your closest person that you know, you can become that, and and that's not good. Um, the opposite also is angry or bitter. You know, and then you have this bitter root that sprouts, and you justify it. You're in the right. You just, you know, you justify it. Um, but here's a way to become better peacemakers. First of all, learn not to speak <laughs> in anger. That is hurt, frustration, or fear. We tend to spout words based on emotion. 
I think Kirk talked about anger and said there's an initial 60 or 90 seconds that you just got to count down and then just be like, you know, I mean, there's some physical forces of that. But remember, God is our soul. He, he can get you through this. If you just focus on God, focus on God, focus on God, you know, before you speak. In most cases, that initial tendency is out of control time. I mean, how do you find that situation? You get defensive real quick and immediately you just bow. Number two, you must think. Take the situation and put it into the context of the gospel and ask, is this glorifying God? Great question. Is my response one that lines up with the Bible and what the Bible instructs us? Warning, as long as you're thinking of it in a personal sense, there will be conflict, by the way. But if you put it in the eyes of God, it will be different. Number three, there must be effort made to find ways of ensuring peace. So there must be effort. It's, it's hard, but it's, it's, the reward is great. Um, the reward will be, you'll be called a daughter of God. You will reflect your father by eating this way. Again, a smile opens a door. When you're a peacemaker, you're opening doors. You're opening doors for people to see God, for people to see the Lord, to see a different change of what can be instead of what normally is accepted. Um, and without, you know, saying this around the table because we're running um, short on time as always with me, um, the question um, that I just kind of want you to ponder is, as you look at the three ways of being a better peacemaker, which one seems to be the most difficult for you? Just circle it real quickly. Do you think that there's one that... Um, that is tough for you. And in reflect with heartstrings, as always, I I believe that we are called to continue our studies. So those scriptures um, are wonderful to read if you are um, lacking in this beatitude. I really that's a great time to meditate. By be running through them with my fast mouth, you're not gonna get it. By you sitting down and, and really meditating on it, maybe that's why God has done this, so that you can take your time. All right, so how can I become a better peacemaker with family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, community members? I surrender it all. I, I, remember that energy thing I said? When you're mad and you're angry, and there's so much effort that goes into that. There's energy. There's this energy that takes your life. It just takes over. It's just this mess. I just envision this snowballing mess. And then if you surrender it, you're done. And there's freedom. There's just freedom. And there is just a joy with that. There's not that extra energy that goes into it. And so it actually is a better life, an easier life than what we believe and the world believes. So now that we are all going to strive to be peacemakers, and if indeed we are peacemakers, then life will be sweet and lovely because everyone will agree with us and love us, right? <laughs> That's being sarcastic. No. Because blessed are those who persecuted next beatitude because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Why would there ever be persecution given all of the above if we were living the beatitudes? Well, here's a great, I love what this quote that I found. Because when people live like Jesus calls them to live, the response will either be one of two things. It will be repentance and faith, okay, or rejection and persecution. Think about it. Can those fall into two categories if you've been persecuted? Have you, if, if people are kind of knocking heads with, what, with your belief and the way you walk with the Lord, are, do you typically get repentance of faith and someone's seeking and kind of asking more questions? Or do you get rejection and persecution? I've had both. I hope maybe, maybe you've experienced too. But here's the one thing I have always known. It's when I speak truth, and I know God has this. That's our kind of quote for our God has this. God has this, and I just and I just feel Him just saying, you know, just coming out in, in the words. And I speak the truth and love to a person who needs to hear it. If they walk away from me and shut me out for the rest of their life, I, there's a still, there's a sadness, but there's a sense of, you know, I stuck up for the Lord. I, I stuck up, and I have peace about it. But if that person, God is telling me to do something, and I don't say anything, and I don't act upon what God is prompting me to say, I struggle with that, and I, I can't, I, there's no peace. I'm, I'm like, I should have said this, I should have said that, because I was trying to not offend them. It wasn't about, it should not be about me, if I'm it's what God wants me to do. Um, I, I'm telling you what, if, you're str- if you struggle like that, this is a beatitude that just, I promise you, you'll have there will be a sense of peace. doesn't mean it's going to be easy and you're going to see the blissful results. There is a sense of peace knowing that God has your back. He used you. You were obedient. You said what you did. You stood up for what you were supposed to do. You said what you are supposed to do at the time that he wanted to say it. That's all that you can do is write a pencil and there's peace. Versus struggling like, oh, I wish I would have done this. And, 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 and I missed the opportunity. There's peace about that. 
And frankly, I've had doors shut on me. <laughs> Phones hung up on me. That's okay. I rejoice. I rejoice because God's got my back. And he's got yours. But we're so afraid to do that sometimes because we're so afraid of the world and what they think. And got to get past it. That's called fighting in Christ and living for him. And so um, the peacemaker is not always welcome. In fact, the scripture says all men will hate you. The world will hate you. You'll be persecuted. All this and Jesus said, blessed? Yes. In our fact, the Beatitudes is all about blessings. When you do all of these things in the Beatitudes, guess what? Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Guess what? You will be comforted. Guess what? You will inherit the earth. Guess what? You will be filled. Guess what? You will be shown mercy. Guess what? You will see God. Don't you want to see God? You will see God if you follow these. But guess what? You'll be called child of God. I am God's daughter. I love that phrase. Most of you know that. I just love that. I eat that up. You um, have the kingdom of heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. You're going to have great rewards. Who doesn't want that? As a Christian, are you pumped up to have those things? Come on! Aren't you pumped up to have those things? Or if you want us to come to the world and have this energy of all the stuff that the world provides. I, it's not worth it. I struggle with it still from time with many things, but I'm in five years, five years, five years, I'm going to look back and be like, oh, we've come so far. We still work to go. But it's so important because not only is it about you and your rewards, but it's this one as disciples. And our church um, is, is going through this phase of being disciples and making disciples of all nations. If we can't live these Beatitudes and people can't see us with these Beatitudes, you're not going to open any doors. There, I mean, God will open those doors because you're abiding in him and you're being obedient to him. And those doors will open. People are going to say, I want what she has. I want that. You know, I want that. If you, can't, if you don't possess these and you're struggling with these, ask the Lord to, to reveal himself to you. And then pray upon those and work at them and find scripture to go with them. There's so much more scripture with this. This really could have been um, a lesson with each beatitude. It really could. But we felt that as the study goes forward, if we could get these out on the table and move through with these ideas, we will kind of have a grand picture together. We can always revisit this. But you always have free will to study this, right? Pumping that into you. Don't feel convicted. Just know that if God's convicted, you go with it. Um, anyway, I'm going to close in for a close in a quick story, and I know I'm a minute over, and that's how it goes. Sorry. But, in studying this, one of my hardest points was at home with the people who I love the most. And to bark at my kids and time to time. I'm better at it, much better at it from all these studies and growing with the Lord. But last week I studied, I was really deep in the Beatitudes and what, what it is. And it's a super, sometimes it's a supernatural attitude, isn't it? You have to have a super, God gives you the supernatural way to deal. I was so abiding in Him. I was so in deep with Him that some things happened. My iPad fell and shattered to pieces. And it was given to me as a gift. So it was the only thing we had. <laughs> um, my daughter broke, uh, fell downstairs, um, bumped her knee, and then threw her purple protein shake with berries all over and stained our entire white walls. Okay? Um, my son dumped every cereal box that you can imagine, and it was just crying and ants were coming in. I mean, it was just a horrible scenario. The point is, is five years on the road, I would have been barking at them. I would have been. <laughs> they are in deep water. You know what? The Beatitudes came to mind, and I played it out. It's, it is just by God. Not my own will. God. God infused it in me. I was able to, to respond to my children in love, and they noticed. They're like, oh, you're not, you're not going to kill me. <laughs> you know, with, that, with the iPad thing. That was, you know what? And they just pulled me all week. They, and I just want to cry, because those simple things, just from studying this and, and abiding more than knowing what the Word says, can change your life. can change the lives around you. Even the closest ones. So I want to encourage you that. Practice it, practice it, practice it, and get the strength from God, and it works. I'm a testimony. It works. It works. Okay, we're going to close in prayer. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you so much for your word. Um, your word is just almost, it, it's just so, it's so amazing. I, I know it's supernatural, and there's times where we're just like, oh, it just seems so overwhelming, but it's true, and nothing is um, impossible without you, Lord. I just think of um, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, Lord. And with these Beatitudes, Lord, they are just put on our plate for an awareness we understand. And for some of us, such a conviction, Lord, I just ask that you just um, you just dwell in us. And Lord, show us what we need to do, but empower us, because only you can do that, Lord. If we try our own, we fail, and then we give up. Lord, I just ask that you just 
be so um, clear in our lives that we just turn to you and reveal to us what to do and what paths to take that we can't go wrong, Lord, and allow us to open doors for your glory, Lord. Not for us. It's for you, Lord. Just give us the tools to do that and allow us to be um, the tools that you want us to be so that we can live for your glory, Lord. We ask that you just... um, Put a head of protection around each and every one of us as we go out of here. We just ask that you just keep Satan um, so far away into our thoughts and minds that we can do your work, Lord. We just thank you and we love you. Amen. We have a great day. I'm sorry, y'all. So, tell them how we can go there.